there's always this moment when you're struggling, the animal's struggling. You're like, we're all working together to try to get the animal to understand what you're, what you're looking for and what you need. And then there's always that moment where you can just see, you can just sort of see the light turn on, like literally in their eyes and, and they go and they do it for the first time and they, they've figured it out um, and, and you're celebrating there together. And oftentimes like it involves a literal happy dance, you know, we'll be jumping up and down and screaming for them and getting excited for them. Um, and they're like, yes, I did it. And, and yeah, that, that moment is always so much fun to experience that with the animal. Hey, everybody. I'm Julie, and welcome to Women with Cool Jobs. Each episode will feature women with unique, trailblazing, and innovative careers. We'll talk about how she got here, what life is like now, and actionable steps that you can take to go on a similar path or one that's all your own. This podcast is about empowering you. It's about empowering you to dream big and to be inspired. You'll hear from incredible women in a wide variety of fields, and hopefully some that you've never heard of before. Women who build robots and roadways, firefighters, C-suite professionals surrounded by men, social media mavens, entrepreneurs, and more. I'm so glad we get to go on this journey together. Sea otters, seals, and belugas. Oh my. So today I have a super cool guest, Kristen Plantcardi, and she is here to talk about her cool job as a marine biologist and animal behavior expert. I am so excited. I'm Julie Berman, your host for Women with Cool Jobs, and I'm so excited you're here to listen to this episode because this is a really interesting one in the fact that I not only love what she's doing, but she sort of launched herself into this whole role as um, advocate and community builder because of this shift that she made after everything shut down during the pandemic in 2020. She was still going in, doing her job as marine biologist, helping all the animals, making sure that they were healthy and strong and eating properly. They got their eye drops and their food. And um, she also does all these elements of training the animals because she needs their help to make sure they're healthy. Like she needs them to be willing to do blood draws and all sorts of other things that I would have never considered or thought about. So in addition to all this, she's doing this every day. And then of course the world shut down in the pandemic. And what happened was she created this community using social media and um, some other really cool tools where she has been able to share and educate information about these beautiful animals that she's been working with, about what we can do to help. She's created this community where she's raised like almost $50,000 to give towards causes that are really important to her in relation to these um, sea creatures and marine mammals that she loves so much. And so it is so cool, not only what is she or what she's doing in her everyday role, but also it's incredible the way that she sort of unexpectedly pivoted, added this facet of creator to her life, but yet it's having all these really incredible benefits for 
um, you know, not only the community of the educational aspect and the conservation, but also because of the work she's doing to help these you beautiful sea creatures that um, we all may take for granted, but yet they're also special. And she talks about how they each have like their own special personalities and they do silly things. And she has these adorable videos of um, especially like sea otters eating ice and just like all their personality. She talks about them as if they're individuals. And so it is really fun to hear not only the stories that she has, the things that she's learned, and to see that this is such a cool option if you are really passionate about animals, about conservation, about, you know, sea life. Um, such a cool one to um, to, you know, on my behalf to be able to learn from Kristen. And I really hope that you enjoy it. And please remember, if you have not gone to check out my website, I have redone it a little bit, added a few things. And um, my sponsor is now myself, my new Sparkotype business. So go check out if you haven't heard of Sparkotypes yet, I would love for you to check out my new webpage because I'm now working one-on-one with individuals coaching them. I'm now also working to create these beautiful team and group experiences, whether you're in a corporation or another group environment, um, entrepreneur, what have you. I would love to help you create an experience where you and your team are not only finding out what sparks you through using the Sparkotype framework for understanding what lights you up and why, but then also figuring out how can you incorporate more of that into your life, like into your work life, into your life outside of work. Um, and we talk about like all these different components so that you are able to really live a fulfilling energized, purposeful life. So if you haven't checked that out, you can go to www.womenwithcooljobs.com. And I'm always here to support you, to answer any questions and enjoy this episode with Kristen. Hello. Thank you so much for being here, Kristen Plancardi. And you are a marine biologist and a marine mammal trainer. You have such a cool job. And so I'm so glad to have you on Women with Cool Jobs today. Yeah, I'm super excited to be here. It's definitely an interesting job for sure. (laughs) So tell us in your own words, how do you describe what you do? Yeah. So in my day-to-day, I'm a marine mammal trainer. And basically what that boils down to is we are responsible for the animals, their daily diets, uh, making sure that they're healthy, as well as making sure that they are participating in their behaviors that we train them to do, which again, allows us to make sure that they are staying nice and healthy. So a lot of these behaviors are like voluntary blood draws or voluntary ultrasounds, x-rays, those types of things. And when you're working with exotic animals, like I do mostly marine mammals, there's no way that you can, you know, physically move them or carry them or make them do anything that they don't want to do. So having them participate voluntarily in their training is like kind of our, our biggest role, but we end up being a jack of all trades. There's a lot of poop cleaning as well. That's involved. (laughs) 
and fish prep and a variety of other things. Habitat maintenance comes into it as well. So um, yeah, there's a lot, a lot going on. Yeah. Well, thank you. You know, and it's it's so interesting because there's always aspects like, you know, no matter how much I research or try to learn about someone, there's always aspects that it's just like, you never know to know about. And even like the, the training part that you were talking about is so fascinating. Just the fact that you sort of need their help in order to make sure they're healthy and happy. So that's really fascinating. And I'm curious, like, tell us a little bit about what you do now and where you work. And then I want to go a little bit back into like kind of how you got into this field, but like, let's start out with where do you work now and kind of like, what is your, your day-to-day like, or like, what are some of those big things that, that you love doing? Yeah. So um, right now I work at um, the Mystic Aquarium in Mystic, Connecticut. It's a relatively recent change. So I'm working right now with uh, our beluga whales primarily, but what I'm mostly known for on on social media and stuff is working with the sea otters at the Vancouver Aquarium in Canada, which is where I was previously. But um, I've worked with a variety of different animals, but right now it's beluga whales, uh, whom I just love. There's always going to be a soft spot in my heart for belugas. But basically our day sort of looks like coming in, there's fish prep to be done, which is for, we have a lot of animals. Um, There's a lot more than just the, just the whales here and they eat a lot of fish. So a lot of fish prep happening, um, some, yeah, very stinky uh, work there happening in the morning and then getting out and taking care of the animals. And some of these things are like, some of our animals are a little older and they require eye drops, you know? So we have to get out there and do that with them. Obviously that's another one of those things that you can't do unless they actively help you with it. Um, So we usually have like goals on the day, things that we're working on. Everybody's working on different things. But yeah, those are the kind of like, you know, how we focus our day and and make sure that we're moving towards these goals, usually for um, healthcare first and foremost. But the Mystic Aquarium also participates in a lot of really amazing research projects. Um, So for instance, like right now, I'm training one of the whales to essentially, this sounds like this would be really easy, but I actually think it's a little bit difficult, but to basically just swim underwater normally and surface and breathe normally. Um, And yeah, it sounds, it sounds not like it wouldn't be that hard, but when you think about, I don't know, trying to train somebody to do something that they always do, I don't know, sometimes they, you know, your mind starts overanalyzing things and thinking that it should be doing something different. So, and that's basically so that the researchers can hold a plate over where she's going to surface and catch that blow sample, what comes out of her blowhole. Wow. And the idea behind that being that, because we could get that, I could ask her for that sample and get it much easier. But the idea being that they can then perfect this method of catching this breath sample from a beluga whale, and they can actually take that method and use it out in the wild on wild beluga whales. And because the goal is obviously to help wild populations um, with the ambassador animals that we have under our care. So that's a pretty cool research project that I'm working on right now. And and it's, you know, we don't necessarily do the research and the data, but um, we're obviously, you know, essential with the research team as well, because they don't know how to train the whales to do, um, to do these types of things. So, 
so yeah, I mean, that's sort of uh, the day to day and there's a lot of record keeping too. I didn't talk much about that, but like you be surprised about, we keep track of everything that we do with these animals and making sure they got their medications and, you know, did everybody get their eye drops today? And like, how was everybody feeling and looking and what was the weight on so-and-so this morning and make sure that everybody's staying nice and plump. So, um, so there's a lot that goes into it and uh, we're usually pretty tired when we come home from the day, but it's, um, it's a very rewarding career. Yeah, that is so, I mean, just what you've described sounds completely (laughs) fascinating. And the idea, I mean, it almost sounds like, and correct me if I'm wrong, it almost sounds like a beluga whale, like can analyze like that you're trying to teach it to do something it normally does, but to train it and that it might overanalyze. Yeah. So that's kind of what happens is they're, they start to think like, they're like, what are, cause we can't speak to them. And so we can do the best that we can to show them what we want, but we can't, in the end, we can't speak to them. So they, they, they're just left alone in their heads going, okay, what is, what is it that she's looking for? And then, you know, every little piece of your body language might be telling them something, you know? And so like, if you, Like, for instance, some of the issues that we were coming up with in this behavior is that um, we would actually, we call it bridging the behavior, which basically we use that whistle. It tells them that they did the right thing. And so somebody would blow the whistle when the animal breathed, because ultimately that's what we're looking for. But then the animal starts thinking, oh, what is it about the breathing? Should I, should I make a whistle sound? You know, should I not breathe anymore? Should I just hold my breath? Like, and so and we had to be like, okay, well, don't bridge the breathing because that's, we want them to do that normally. We don't want them to be thinking about right. doing it. You know what I mean? So it's, it's just kind of a, it could be a really interesting process, like trying to get inside the mind of a beluga whale. <laughs> <laughs> I love that. That's so awesome. That is, I feel like that's such a great way to start this conversation too, because <laughs> it is something that honestly, I would have no I just, there would be no way for me to know that you do that without having this conversation. And also it's fascinating because, you know, I think that if people seen your videos, whether they be on TikTok or on YouTube or on Instagram, which is where I found you, or like a multitude of places where you're at, it's like these behind the scenes things that are really like, what are the day to day? And it's like, it seems like you've done just with that, that research component, like so much strategizing, not only with your colleagues, I'm guessing, but like with the animals itself and like that whole process. So that's so cool. And so in regards to, you know, the animals that you have worked with, I know you're working primarily with the beluga right now. Mm-hmm. Um, you have worked with sea otters, which I think are like literally so adorable. <laughs> um, and I'm not alone because I know their videos are very popular. Yeah. Um, and what other animals have you worked with? And if you have any like fun stories that you have from just your time working with them, you know, I would love to hear that because I think those are the things that really share what it's like to be in your shoes. Yeah. So I've worked with a lot of animals. I have had a really amazing opportunity in my career to just experience a wide variety of animals. So I worked with stellar sea lions, which is the largest sea lion in the world. So we had a lot of those in uh, Vancouver in there here in Mystic as well. A variety of uh, seals like harbor seals, 
Also, of course, the sea otters, as we talked about, uh, harbor porpoises, Pacific white-sided dolphins, which is a really beautiful species, false killer whale, which is an animal that not a lot of people know about. Uh, let's see, California sea lions, African penguins, and of course the beluga whales. I think that I think that that's probably about it. So yeah, so there's a, a wide variety of species, and I definitely think I mean there's there's so many stories. Like we we could have like a we could have a separate podcast for like ridiculous things that animals do on the day to day. But um, I think like since sea otters, like you said, are uh, extremely popular on my social media. I think that some of their stories are the best. So they are adorable. That's like undisputable. However, they are also like the most mischievous creatures on the face of the planet. So yes, like almost devious, really. They are, uh, they're weasels. So they're like the the heaviest member of the weasel family. And so it sort of makes sense because weasels are just known for being troublemakers and always finding, you know, new and interesting things to, to cause issues with. So I mean, just on a regular basis, our sea otters would come and just hand us bits of the habitat that they had dismantled and taken apart and unscrewed things and and stuff like that. But one of my favorite things that they would do, uh, they would do this especially to like new trainers or people who don't work with them very often, they can actually like close and open doors. And so there was one time when our our curator, um, who, while he is obviously very experienced, he does not work with the otters like up close very often. And one of them actually left the exhibit and locked him inside. Um, And he didn't have his radio. And he basically just had to stand there until one of us happened to walk by and be like, why is why is he trapped? What is he doing? He's in there and the otter's outside. (laughs) And so stuff like that would happen. That is not the, not the only time that somebody got locked in by an otter either. So um, they are just, just absolutely hilarious in that way. And, and very, you know, very, they keep you on your toes when you work with otters. Yeah. And so, I mean, with that, cause it sounds like they're very clever and that they're also thinking ahead. Like they're I like, mean, are, do you, I mean, to like yeah. be able to shut the door and be like, ha ha, you're left in. And like, do you think that was the mindset or well, was it just I like, don't know. I'm playing with this door. It seems real fun. Yeah. It's hard to say. I don't know. <laughs> I don't know. it Well, this particular otter did this multiple times though. So like if it had only happened once, I would say maybe they were just playing with the door, but I think probably the first time they were like, I'll just play with the door. Oh, look what happened. Now I get to <laughs> hang out out here and nobody's going to stop me from doing all the other naughty things out here. And then I, I think that they, they sort of figure that out and, uh, and can definitely learn from that. But yeah, the otters are, are just, they are troublemakers, but when they're sleeping, things are really great. Yeah. (laughs) Well, that also sometimes sounds like a two-year-old. So there you go. Um, (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) I love that. That is such a great story. And you, because you have worked with so many animals and we didn't mention this yet, but I did want people to know like a lot of the work that you do, and especially now that you are on so many different social media platforms is really related to conservation efforts and just showing how incredible so many of these animals are and just, you know, not only the animals themselves, but their relationship to people and the the, sort of the whole, like the big picture really. And so Mm -hmm. I'm curious, like if you can kind of take us back a little bit 
And then we'll we'll come to the this conservation work because you've raised a huge amount of money through what you're doing, which is so incredible. But just sort of take us back to like, when did you first get interested in working with animals? Like, do you have any degrees, certifications, things like that? Yeah. And then kind of walk us through to where you are today. I would love to hear that. Sure. So I knew I wanted to work with animals since I was capable of like having thoughts, um, <laughs> you know, and uh, my parents always say that I was, I was always, I knew exactly what I wanted to do from, from day one. And I was always the kid who was at the Creek catching snakes and crawdads and going to the zoo was one of my favorite activities. And so that, that part, um, I always knew that I wanted to work with animals and actually I really thought that I was going to work with, um, I was very interested in big cats. So like tigers and lions and stuff. And I still love them. Um, have, we're always like kind of my goal animal to work with. Uh, and then I went to university, Colorado State University, which is a very good animal school. So that was really nice. And I uh, got a degree in zoology and a degree in I th- just basic like biological sciences. Um, and uh and through that, I was actually, um, you know, working at a, a raptor rehabilitation um, center, which is birds of prey. And that was super cool and started applying for internships, which is how a lot of people get in this field, because it's a field that like requires hands-on experience, but you can't really get hands-on experience, you know, without right. getting hands-on experience, you know, it's like yeah. one of those tricky things. <laughs> um, so I applied to any and every internship under the sun and um, the Vancouver Aquarium called me and I was one of four people who they wanted to work with the sea otters and the belugas. And I just didn't know how I was going to turn that down. Um, it just sounded amazing. It was nothing I ever expected because I, again, I was, I was all into like land animals and hmm. not that I didn't like whales who doesn't, but you know, it was, so that was unexpected. And I just absolutely fell in love with Canada. I fell in love with the belugas and all of the other animals that I got to work with throughout the years. Um, I forgot to mention walruses too. Those were guys were there. And then, uh, yeah, so it just kind of stuck and it was, I stayed there for like 11 years, then got the opportunity to um, come down here and, and work with belugas again, which I was really excited about. So yeah, I mean, it's definitely been a journey and starting out, I think a lot of people in this in this field, they get into it because they relate to animals in a way that they don't necessarily relate to people or that, you know, they'd rather interact with animals than they would interact with people. And I was very different, like from, from the get-go, because one of the things that we do often have to do in our job is, is public presentations, doing these presentations to show people like why we're training and, and what we're doing with the animals and and why they should care about these animals. And, and I always loved doing that part. Uh, it's not something that usually, usually people are, will pass if they have the opportunity on um, doing the public speaking. And that was never me. I, I really enjoyed doing it and enjoyed teaching people things about these amazing animals and about what they can do for them. And so I think that's sort of where this whole thing was born out of is that, and as I've progressed in my career and I've done, I don't want to say I've done it all because you've never done it all, but I've, you know, I've done a lot of things and I've, I've worked with a lot of animals and had a lot of really amazing opportunities. So as my life has gone on sort of this part of bringing these animals to people and building those connections and, and finding a way to make people want to care and want to do something in their lives to, to change the world for the better is, has kind of become 
much more important to me. Um, I still, of course, love working with the animals, but um, this has sort of taken the the forefront in my in my life now. So yeah, and it's such an interesting thing. Like the the word that came to me as you were talking is like advocacy, you know. Mm-hmm. And it's such an interesting way that you sort of came about out of the pandemic, like came out really so strong in your advocacy for the animals that you're working with and in general, these marine creatures. And so I would love to sort of hear you talk about how did you get into the whole creative side and being on social and where has it led you now? Because I, I think since your focus really is this passionate work in kind of sharing more broadly. So people have this education, have this knowledge, and then in the hopes that like we do something with it positively. It's interesting to see like, how did it get started? And (laughs) then like, what are, what are you doing now? And like, what is, you know, if you have a dream for it in that respect, like, I would love to hear what that looks like. Yeah. So, so like I, like I said, it kind of just started with like me, enjoying public speaking, enjoying interacting with the public, enjoying them asking questions. Um, We did a lot of encounters too, which, you know, really allows people to get up close and to just be in awe of these, of these animals. And I always love doing that. And then of course, 2020 rolled around and everything changed. Um, And so we were no longer open to the public and we were still there. We were still caring for the animals every single day, but there was no one there. And at first, this was kind of fun. Um, We were, you know, taking the animals fun places. We could walk them through the aquarium and like, you know, have them do things that that normally they really can't because, you know, you can't bring bringing large, you know, scary sea lions into a crowded um, hallway, you know, but (laughs) um, um, but yeah. And like at first that was kind of fun. And then the weeks dragged into months, dragged into years, basically. And it it, it stopped being fun. I, uh, I mean, you know, you still have fun. But it was like, I I missed that. We missed talking to people. There were some of our regular guests that we know, like our members who would actually come outside the fence and they would, they would say hi and, and, um, and, you know, we'd bring the animals over. And like, that was how desperate we were for like, just to, to see someone and just to, you know, get that, that interaction again. And I started to realize that that was, that was the whole point for me. So it's not really working with the animals, like selfishly, I of course love doing that, but it, it, that the whole point for me is the fact that people get to experience these animals in a way that is never possible outside of these types of facilities. And they come away with something that is, that can be life-changing for some people. And I would always feel like in, in a day-to-day with guests coming through the aquarium, if I could just like change someone's change someone's life, like make an experience for them that they were never going to forget. And that's like one person, like more every single day that is going to come away with, with something that they, that they now care about. So because that wasn't really possible, I started, you know, exploring social media and um, started posting about my animals there and realizing that that was getting a lot of, a lot of views. Um, People were, were watching it. They were interested. Um, 
I started a YouTube channel, uh, reaching even more people. And I could on there, I could teach people about specific things. I could basically go through my entire sea otter spiel and, um, you know, tell them about how they have the densest fur coat in the animal kingdom and just really blow their mind with some of these facts. And, and I could, I finally did join TikTok, which again, like we sort of, uh, you know, we talked about before the meeting, don't join TikTok because it will (laughs) absolutely tank your productivity. But um, I got decently big on TikTok and I was live streaming. I I live stream over on Twitch and uh, it's just not a platform that's known for this type of streaming, um, which is normally like a gaming platform, but I was using it for animal education and, and people will come to hear about what the otters got up to today and who, whose radio did they steal? And, um, and I could, uh, you know, I started hosting fundraisers. It started as just like, Oh, it's my birthday. Maybe I'll do something nice and host a fundraiser. And we raised a lot of money. And, and so that became a thing every, um, you know, every six months or so I was doing these big fundraisers. And I got to the point where like for one organization, um, the Alaka Alliance, who is looking to reintroduce sea otters off the coast of Oregon, which is part of their native range. And sea otters are really important to the environment. And we raised like $20,000 for them in a wow. 24 hour period. And I was like, this is wow. something special. So so yeah, it, it it's just sort of snowballed into, I feel like myself and my community are making a difference in the world, like a tangible difference, um, almost for the first time ever. You know, I was reaching some individuals before um, when they would come through as guests, but this is like social media makes this a place where you can reach so many more people. So it's addictive, um, you know, feeling <laughs> like, feeling like you're, you're doing something positive is like really addictive. I guess that's, you know, it's funny. It's, I guess that's kind of like the training that I do. We use positive reinforcement and I get positively reinforced by my social media accounts all the time. And yeah. um, so I keep going with it. So Um, I don't even know, you know, like you said, like, what are your goals? I mean, I don't, it's hard to say, I don't know, like, where it's going to lead, because I never imagined this, this happening. So I just want to, like, keep having those positive impacts and making them bigger and better all the time. And yeah, I mean, that's, it was accidental, but um, it was a happy accident. (laughs) Yeah. And it's so interesting that you know, I mean, the pandemic, right? It just like shifted so many things, but it's such a cool thing that the pandemic had such an incredible, not only like shift in sort of what you were doing personally, but it was so meaningful for you um, and rewarding. But then also like you're raising, I mean, I, I read that you had raised like $35,000 with the community to, to go towards these different efforts, which is really incredible. And so I don't know if that's accurate as of now, if it's more, um, um I'm trying to look, I'm, I actually have to go, I have to go like to my own, um, like website to even know the exact figure, but, <laughs> but yeah, I mean, we did like my very first one was just for the Cornish seal sanctuary. They rescue little, um, seals. Then we did Monterey Bay aquarium. So yeah, it is. It's okay. about, well, I guess it's actually, closer to $50,000. It was wow. um, 10,000 for Monterey Bay, 22,000 for the Alaka Alliance, and then 10,000 or almost 11,000 for Ocean Conservation Namibia um, was our latest one. And my poor little Cornish seal sanctuary when I was just a little influencer only got about 3,000, but oh. um, but they, <laughs> they, they appreciated it. So yeah, that is a really amazing. I mean, and that's something that 
it's like, you know, I mean, that's like really a whole other thing because I mean, just the ability to help raise these funds for different organizations through kind of what you're doing on top of your job. It's almost yeah. like you, you, I mean, I'm, I'm very tired. Creation, I'm very tired all the time. <laughs> I was going to say, I mean, content creation, like I could speak, you know, speak to it. Cause it's like, yeah. it's a, it's a job. It's a oh, really yeah. time consuming job, a wonderful job. And it leads yeah. to beautiful things, but it is, <laughs> it is a job. Yeah. And so the fact that you're doing this for like really cool purposes on top of your job, as, as a marine biologist and yeah. trainer is super neat. And I'm curious, like for you going back to sort of what you do in the, in your marine training role, like, is that like a, a nine to five type of thing? Or like, do you have to come in really early? And then sometimes, you know, because you said you often do presentations and things, do you work sometimes on weekends or like, mm-hmm. what is your schedule like and i'm curious also if you can talk about some of the skills that you think people would mm. need i know you mentioned people skills are definitely yeah. important in there but i'm curious like what else may not be super obvious to us yeah so um so yeah our hours are kind of all over the place so it it really just depends there's different kinds of shifts like if you're on the fish prep shift you have to be in at like the crack of dawn because everything needs to be ready once um once the trainers get there and then there are also times like if the animals uh, are sick for whatever reason we're on call so at any point at any time we could get called in if if we have an animal that needs our care like urgently and there are times when we are on 24/7 watch if wow. an animal is, you know, kind of like your pets at home when you're, if you have a really sick animal and you end up staying up all hours of the day to, to get them fed and, and get them their medication if they need it and just make sure that they're staying warm and doing okay. Um, staying warm part's not as important for beluga whales, but you know, um, <laughs> but yeah, so, so sometimes we're working crazy hours. Um, it is normally supposed to be just yeah an eight hour day job, but we work on the weekends. We work on Christmas. The animals don't know that it's Christmas. They, they right. want to eat, you know? So, um, so yeah, it's one of those jobs where it's, um, it's really ends up being like a, it's a passion project, right? Um, it's not, it's not super glamorous. Uh, it often, like I said, involves working crazy hours and missing Christmas with your family, but it's, you know, a job that you do because you love it. But yeah, I mean, as far as like, skills that we, that I think are really valuable for trainers and for anybody who would be thinking about getting in the field, absolutely. Um, public speaking is, is super important. And like, even though I don't, I feel like I'm in the minority. I of trainers that believe this. Like I feel that the public speaking is such an important part of of this job because having these animals under human care, like what is even the point if we're not making the world better for their wild cousins and that's and that and they're ambassadors for their species. So we really have to do that justice by by making sure that we're um, doing everything we can with public outreach and stuff like that. But we, I mean, I think patience is a really, really good one because yeah, I mean, you're, you're training these animals that, that don't necessarily, they don't speak your language and you sort of develop your own language with them, but, but yeah, being, being very patient and being really like being very excited. Like you, you always want to, I don't know. The animals feed off of your energy, you know, and if you go in and you've had a rough day and you go out there and you're just like, ugh. 
<laughs> it's raining, you know, I mean, the animals feed off of that. And, and, and so, so, but going out with a positive attitude, you, you get that energy back from the animal as well. So having fun is, is a, is a really, it doesn't sound like a skill, but I think, yeah, sometimes, sometimes we take ourselves too seriously. And so um, remembering to have fun is also a, a really good skill to have. <laughs> Those are great. And I think to your point to the last one, do you feel like all the animals you've worked with have noticed, like if you have a high level of energy, like positivity, like w- would you say that across the board, most of them yeah, recognize absolutely. that? And we would also like, I, there's, I don't have any science to back this up, but um, we would, there would be times, you know, sometimes if we would have a really crazy busy day, like everything that could have gone wrong has gone wrong. And we are just like trying to get through the day and we were all behind and things like that, where it felt like the animals were like trying to help out. Like they were like, Oh no, (laughs) like something, something must've happened. I'm going to be on my best behavior in this session, which would like, uh, so like I said, I don't have like the data on that, but it definitely felt that way sometimes, but yeah, they, they can read you. I mean, we would always say, you know, don't, don't come out here if you're, you know, if you're angry because like the animals like feed off of that. And, you know, if you come out there with like a really positive attitude and you're super excited, they get very excited and, and, you know, they want to have fun. And that's, that's the whole point too, is, uh, by making this positive reinforcement and by making it fun, that's the only way that we can get them to do the things, you know, cause they don't inherently want to, um, sit around 20 minutes for an ultrasound, but they might need that, you know? Uh, yeah. and so if you, uh, you know, if you don't make it fun, then they're just not going to do the behaviors that you want. Yeah, that is so interesting. And so I'm curious, like, what are some of the, I guess, typical or um, things that the animals need to do or that you hope they do regularly? I know you mentioned things somewhat for their health, like things related to an ultrasound or a blood draw or for older animals that need eye drops. Mm -hmm. Uh, Are there other things that you sort of have to train them to do for their own well-being or um, to get them to certain places, you know, to clean or what have you. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, there's just a ton of behaviors and all of the behaviors that we have, have some sort of purpose, even if they just seem silly, like they just seem like fun, silly behaviors. Well, that's the purpose. Um, Cause you know, like we talked about having fun is important and we can't, it can't all be blood draws and eye drops because that's just not fun. Right. But yes, we uh, definitely, some of the more important behaviors are just stepping on a scale, just walking up and standing still on a scale. So we can make sure, you know, that their weight is looking good. A lot of them have seasonal weight fluctuations and it's, um, you know, a good idea to make sure that those are happening when we think that they should happen. There's, I mean, there's even just like basic dental care. So like opening their mouth, some animals are trained to, um, we do tooth brushings. Um, like which animals I'm curious. Um, yeah, I mean, right now, um, we have a, a beluga whale who, um, is getting up in age. And so we brush her teeth once a day. Yeah. <laughs> and, uh, <laughs> 
Um, and so, yeah. And then, you know, even like the walruses with their big tusks, there was a lot involved with them allowing us to, to do different things with their tusks to make sure that those stay nice and healthy. We would, we, we had them trained to allow us to put a cap on the end of it, um, which just helps to protect it from getting damaged, like putting a cap on your tooth and, uh, and all of these types of things that are just even basic body exams, just let me check you over make sure you don't have any cuts or scrapes or anything I need to worry about. And even those basic things are, you know, really important. I know like we didn't do this at my facility, but we do a lot of collaboration with um, some other facilities. And one facility with sea otters even trained their otter. Um, she had, she got diagnosed with asthma and they trained her to use an inhaler. <laughs> oh my gosh. So That's she'll amazing. just, um, you can look it up. I think it's at the Seattle Aquarium, but she'll just sit there with her little mask on and take those deep breaths and, oh um, gosh. And uh, yeah, so like all of that stuff, like there's just, there's just nothing that's not possible, you know, with animals. And like you said too, like moving them to different areas, training them to go through gates, to, to walk through different areas so that we can dive and clean their habitats. Like all of these behaviors are, are trained from scratch and, and yeah, not, not at all possible without the animal's help. <laughs> yeah. And how do like you as a trainer learn about training? I mean, like, do you have other trainers who you're watching and then you're picking this up or you just sometimes also try random things to see what works. I mean, like, what, yeah. what is that like? <laughs> yeah, it's, we definitely have like, there's kind of like a standard of like course called the ABCs of animal training that most marine mammal trainers will have gone through at some point in their lives. And it's a course designed by another facility. I, I don't even remember. It's been a long time since I've looked at that book, but I still have it. But most of it is just through doing. And you'll usually start out like little baby trainers. We start out working with another more senior trainer who, you know, usually will basically allow you to train a behavior just with like feedback coming in. And you start with something small, like just like rolling over or something like pretty easy. And, uh, and yeah, it's just, it's literally just learning as you go. And, um, it's a really, it's a really interesting skill to learn because while there are definitely like standards for here's positive reinforcement and here's those types of things. There's nothing that can prepare you for like actually doing this, this type of stuff. Um, and each animal is completely different. So um, they all have different personalities. So you can't, the way you would train one animal to do something, you might have to do something completely different with another animal to train that exact same behavior, just because just like humans, their brains work a little bit differently. They have different personalities and, you know, some of them have different, different learning needs. I mean, it's, it's really the same. Um, so it's, it, it's a field where you um, should never consider yourself done learning. There is always something new to learn. There is never just one right way to do something. And it's, yeah, it's a very, very flexible field full of a lot of gray areas, which I really like. I know some people like it a little bit more black and white, but yeah, it's, it's interesting. I, it's hard to like, now that my brain has, has learned training, I, I can't unlearn it, but it's definitely something that, that takes years to sort of really get the hang of. <laughs> Yeah. Well, I can imagine. And I mean, like I've taught adults and so I, you know, but like at least adults speak my language yeah, you know? yeah. um, <laughs> and we have like things like pictures we can show when we don't speak the same language, you know, or hand yeah. gestures. And so it's just so fascinating to me, like the idea of teaching, um, 
animals, but not only the same type of animals, different types of animals. And then yeah. if they each have their own individual personalities, right. And learning yeah. styles. Yeah. It's a little bit mind blowing to think about like <laughs> what that would look like as a trainer that I had never considered. And so I'm curious, like if, if you have, you know, the work now with belugas, which you said is like near and dear to your heart, what is that involved? Like, how would you go about training a beluga? And I, I am imagining if I'm picturing the correct beluga that they're quite large. Yes. Um, and uh, not something where you can like sort of take it yeah. and like help it swim on its own. So like, what does that process look like? Can you sort of walk us through like, like what are the steps that you do as a trainer to, you know, whether to do that research experiment or if there's some other example that you want to give us? Yeah. It's yeah, it's very different than with your dog at home when you want him to sit and just push his butt down. Right. Um, but that's not that's not the way that that we train. So basically, each animal is sort of trained out the gate to um, do something called targeting. And this is a really important behavior, and it basically involves trying to think if I have like a good example, but it's it's essentially just a pole with a usually uh, I don't know that the color is important, but usually there's like a, a red um, sort of like buoy on the end of it. And that the what it is doesn't really matter, but the animals are trained to touch um, different parts of their body to the end of this pole. So it's sort of a point of reference for the animal. And so then if you're training something, just using an example that we can like clearly visualize, like a like a high jump, like just coming out of the water straight up and down and coming back in the water tail first. Basically, that all starts with this target training. And so you uh, introduce the the hand signal for the behavior usually is what we use because the animals, you know, another thing that you don't really think about probably that much is that belugas can't really hear our voices. They probably can hear that something is happening, but it's just not very clear to them. So using verbal cues like you might with your dog is not as useful. So usually you give them that hand signal and then you hold this target pole up. They come up, touch it with their nose and you let them know that they did a good job with, with the whistle. So we blow the whistle that tells them that they did it and they can come back and they can get their reward. And that reward can look like food. Food is a great motivator. It's a great motivator for me too. Um, <laughs> but it can be a lot of other things. Belugas really like tongue rubs. Um, some of them really like body rubs. Some of them have favorite toys that they like to play with. And so just depending on the animal and what they, what they really enjoy, that positive reinforcement can look a lot of different ways. Uh, and then you basically slowly, um, what we call like fade out that target pole where you're not using that target pole anymore. And before you know it, the animal knows that on this hand signal, I'm going to go out to the middle. I'm going to come up and down. I don't need any help. I don't need any, um, any target pole to show me the way. And then the behavior is basically done at that point. But that's the, like, sort of the, just the, the real quick and dirty, how to train, how to train your beluga whale. Um, <laughs> if by, I ever have Kristen. one. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> but yeah, it becomes much more complicated when you're talking about, you know, a variety of different behaviors and and, and things that we, that we can um, train them to do. But yeah, that's the, just the, the down and dirty. That's amazing. Are there like, what are the fun, I guess, like the fun or silly things that are, that are things you've done either with whales or other animals that you've trained? Yeah. I mean, with the, 
The beluga is a fun one is always, and of course, you know, because we talked about, I'm always into like interacting with the public. Um, a lot of them, we would train them for behaviors that would, they can spit water, which is pretty unique for their species. They uh, use that as a feeding technique. And most whales and dolphins don't have the ability to spit a projected thing of water, but we would train them to do that into crowds of people causing chaos, um, but, <laughs> but, but making memories. So those are always super fun. And then okay. the, the animals also learn that, that, that type of reaction that they get that screaming, laughing, they like that. And so they would, they would do it to people outside of, uh, like, you know, just on their own, they, oh, they learn to do that, or they would do it to, we had some whales who would do it to the seagulls. Um, who would spit at the seagulls and sort of chase them around and spit at them. And so those types of behaviors, those like play behaviors are always super fun. The otters I always really loved. And one thing that's very popular on my social media is anything that involves sea otters banging on things. Um, so if you don't know, um, sea otters are known for using a rock to sort of crack into shells. They eat a lot of um, shellfish and marine invertebrates. And so they will um, take that rock and basically bang it into clams. And we didn't want them to do that uh, because, you know, as we discussed, they're already very destructive. Um, but we could train them to, um, some of them would like tap on the tap on the doors or, uh, and it looks like knocking or, or clap, they would clap too. And it makes cute little, little pity patty um, sounds. <laughs> and so those behaviors would always like, people would just, oh, you know, and they, and then they want to know why are they doing that? And then you can lead that into, well, if you want to learn something, you know, and, and make it an educational thing. So, yeah, I mean, there's just, there's so many fun and interesting things about these animals and they're, they're so unique and people just, they don't know that. Yeah, it is interesting. You know, like I, we've had a membership, we don't have one now, but there's a, an aquarium here. And like, I always loved going, but it's like, you get to read the signs a lot of the time, but we don't have as much of the interaction yeah. with the people who work with them day in and day out. Yeah. And so it's just like, I think your ability to use social media to share some of the actual stories from your experience is so unique. And also I think clearly like people want more of that because we, you know, it's like you, you want to hear about the sort of the individualities and the unique features of each animal that we don't always know to even ask about. And so I think that's so cool. And I appreciate you sharing the examples just of some of the things that you train the whale and the otters to do. Cause I think it's interesting to either hear the backstory or that they can do these things in the first place. And um, just, yeah, even using like spitting at seagulls is like clearly, you know, the personality of that particular whale. Um, Just just like thinking about that, that that would be something really fun. So that's, uh, that's really interesting. Yeah. And And I think, I think getting people to, like you said, like to understand, that like we see these animals as like a a number on a paper and I think most people love sea otters they think that they're cute but when you start to understand that they all have personalities um and that they're you know like (laughs) like otters are people too you know but like um (laughs) but basically understanding like that there's an individual there and I think that that 
that builds the connection. Yeah, definitely. And I think even hearing sort of the the educational aspects of behind, like, okay, well, why do they like to bang on things? Or, and I know you shared also like some really cute videos with ice. So if anyone, mm-hmm. ice cubes and yeah. So yeah. if anyone's interested, we'll share your information at the end so people can go yeah. check that out. But it's, it's just very fascinating to kind of get to know the animals a little bit better. And then I think also from that larger standpoint of like just being sort of good global citizens for ourselves and for the animals. So I I really appreciate that. And I, I want to ask you, you know, if people are listening to this and women or girls are like, this sounds amazing. I would (laughs) love to do something like this. How can they start to look at getting in this field? Is it something where you definitely need a degree or are there other, other ways in and, you know, what does that look like if you have suggestions? I would definitely recommend a degree. I don't want to say that it is 100% necessary if, if for whatever reason uh, you are unable to do that. It does not mean that this is absolutely unattainable. It just means that you're going to have a little bit of a harder time. Most places require a a university degree, a four-year bachelor's degree uh, in some sort of science-related program. Um, I, if you are able to go get that degree, um, I actually recommend a psychology degree. Really? <laughs> um, yeah. I mean, all of these principles that we're talking about, operant conditioning, um, positive reinforcement, these are all like human psychology, like theories and, and, um, and strategies. And, uh, and that's something that translates. You can train humans and the same way that you can train, you know, you can train your spouse in the same way that you can do. <laughs> I would maybe not train them to like spit at your guests or anything, yes, but, like, right, yeah. um, <laughs> but it is possible. So yeah, I mean, that's not the route, but I went, I went like with a zoology degree, which is also fine, but I feel like psychology sort of better sets you up with some of these theories and some of these techniques that we use. And then, like I said, internships. Um, unfortunately, that is a big um, unpaid internships are a big part of, of the industry. And I say that's unfortunate because I actually think that it really limits the amount of people that that can get into the industry. It makes it yeah. extremely competitive. But um, I was fortunate enough to have the ability to do that. And uh, most people do more than one even <laughs> because wow. they really want you to have some of that experience. And um, I recommend as well, like just volunteering at different while you're going to university or even in high school, those types of things. I, um, like I said, I volunteered at uh, Raptor Rehabilitation, whatever you've got like near you, even if it's just like the Humane Society, you know, cleaning out kennels like this, this really does count as, as experience. And um, also cleaning out, cleaning up after animals helps you to get an idea that, that, that is going to like, like poop isn't going away. Like we, we have to do that. And <laughs> like, in uh, no matter where you're at in the field. And then the other thing that is so hard is being willing to move. Like I said, I, you know, I went to Colorado state university. I was born in Colorado. I moved to Vancouver, British Columbia, um, <laughs> for a job and I've lived all over and now I'm on the East coast and it really opens up avenues for you when you don't limit yourself by what's in your immediate area. So, yeah. And you know, if it's something that you really want, like you'll, you'll get it. Like persistence um, is key. And I think when you're doing those internships, I always recommend being yourself and letting your personality shine through because you want to be, you want to be the intern that they remember that they want to hire afterwards. 
great advice. And are there like organizations or professional associations that you'd recommend for kind of either looking about maybe opportunities within the field or just kind of finding maybe professionals in the person's area like that, that you're part of or know about? Yeah. I mean, as far as like, you know, you can find internships and, and job opportunities. I, I find them a lot on aza.org, uh, which is the Association of Zoos and Aquariums. And they have a job listing and it is constantly updated. There are just thousands of jobs posted on that all the time. Uh, I also belong to the um, International Marine Animal Trainers Association, which is IMATA which they do, I think, actually, I think if you're going to university, your membership is free or at least very, very cheap. They also have job postings there and they have a lot of resources. They have libraries of of information available. Um, And then, you know, I recommend social media for for some other things, like for talking to people. There's a lot of Facebook groups of uh, marine mammal trainers, Facebook groups. And there's a lot of people in there who are able to help out if for people who are uh, trying to trying to get into the field or trying to pass a swim test or just looking for advice or um, anything like that, or sometimes even like looking for, you know, they'll be like, I got this such and such an internship here. Is anyone in the area that has a room for rent um, or something like that? So a lot of great information on the internet. <laughs> yeah. Okay. Well, thank you. Those are some great resources. And I have to ask, you know, before we wrap up, because I'm curious and, and we didn't get to it yet, but I feel like, you know, specific to what you do, like you are in and near water all the time. So I'm curious because you started out thinking you were going to do land animals, probably large cats, and you ended up, you know, doing marine, marine mammals. So I'm curious, like, what is that like? And, you know, what do people need to think about if they're considering this, you know, particular area working with animals? Yeah. I mean, so like, even just like being around the water, like being a good swimmer is definitely important. And I was not um, one of those like natural born fish. I had to work really, really hard at that. And I still struggle with it. I am not super comfortable being underwater and unable to breathe is like not my favorite thing. So, so it's something that I am, I am constantly working on and, um, and we do dive to clean the habitats. Usually having a scuba certification is required or being able to get one within, you know, relative soon after being, after being hired. So yeah, the other thing that that I don't think people think about when they they come to the aquarium on like beautiful, like sunny days is that we're out there. If it's raining, if it's snowing, it does not matter. So like there have been some, I have had some beautiful days out there and I have been absolutely miserable out there as well. You know, when you're soaking wet and you still have six more hours left in your day, um, it's, it is not a great feeling. It is not a great feeling. So there is, you know, there's, definitely um some some elements that we have to combat and um the water is obviously always very cold <laughs> yeah yeah and i think that's so interesting because it's sort of on top of what you're doing just in the rest of your job it's it's like something that does have that interplay of like that's always there kind of um mm-hmm. either physically or probably in the background very close by yeah Yeah. So thank you for explaining that. And I'm curious, you know, like if you had to pick one thing or two things that was like your absolute favorite part 
of doing this job? Like, oh. what would you say those are? I know it might be a hard question to answer. Yeah. So I absolutely love, okay, two things, two things. I can't, I can't settle on just one. Okay. <laughs> I love um, coming up with new toys and enrichment to give the animals. And you could probably have guessed that if you look at my social media, a lot of it is like just giving treats to animals because uh, just watching them play and enjoy something is really, really fun. We, you know, we're often, we're out there working with the animals in a very controlled setting. It's a, you know, a controlled, what we call a session when we're out there with the animals. So sometimes it's fun to just go out of session and I made this new toy or we just bought this giant new beluga toy for you guys. Like, and, and watching them um, enjoy those types of things or, or watching the otters get, you know, as much ice as you can possibly fit in their, in their area and watching their little minds be blown as they are running around and eating all the ice is just, that's always uh, super fun. And the other thing that I really love that pertains directly to training is um, we call it like the light bulb moment. So there's always this moment when you're struggling, the animal's struggling. You're like, we're all working together to try to get the animal to understand what you're, what you're looking for and what you need. And then there's always that moment where you can just see, you can just sort of see the light turn on, like literally in their eyes and, and they go and they do it for the first time and they, they've figured it out um, and, and you're celebrating there together. And oftentimes like it involves a literal happy dance, you know, we'll be jumping up and down and screaming for them and getting excited for them. Um, and they're like, yes, I did it. And, and yeah, that, that moment is always so much fun to experience that with the animal. So that's awesome. It's so cool that you describe that because I would have never known that animals can have that moment. Yeah. Um, it's really, really amazing. And it's so, I mean, it's really interesting too that you talk about having like a psych degree and being a trainer because I would have never put those things together. <laughs> yeah. Um, but like listening to you say that having taught myself, having taught adults, it's really interesting because it's like, as people, we have that. So that's so cool that like you can witness an animal, you know, that you're working with, like that you both can have this moment together, like that shared experience and like clearly get so excited over it. So yeah, they get so excited too, that then usually what happens is, you know, if you've got a big behavior like that, then that's like the only behavior they'll do for like the next week. It's just like, no, we remember how excited we were. And they, and they'll just like, we're now we're all we're doing is this. And you have to be like, okay, okay, okay. We, we can do other (laughs) things too. We rein it in a little bit, rein it in, but that's um, awesome. Oh, I love it. Well, thank you so much for sharing that with us. What a great, like, I don't know, it just sounds so great. And who, who doesn't want more toys, right? Like creating toys just sounds like so much fun. It is (laughs) very cool. So as we wrap up, I want to ask you my favorite question and I ask it to every guest. So it's this to end the conversation. Will you share a sentence that uses verbiage or jargon from your field? Then please translate it. So it's understandable to us. Sure. So you might say something like so-and-so animal was refusing staying at station uh, when I was holding them in the backup area. So I gave them a DRI and then jackpotted. <laughs> That's just like to use a few um, jargony terms. And basically what this would mean was the animal is um, not wanting to stay in a particular area, kind of like you mentioned for if we need to clean a different area. And we would give them uh, one of the techniques that you can do um, is you can give them a DRI. So basically, if the animal is is choosing to leave you, um, you can put them in some sort of behavior that 
directly reinforces an incompatible behavior. So essentially, um, that's what DRI stands for. So uh, essentially, if they are, for instance, doing a uh, a layout, like if they're um, laying out and you have the, your hands on their back, um, which is a behavior that they know, well, they can't do that behavior and swim off at the same time. So then you're, um, you know, directly reinforcing an incompatible behavior with the behavior that you don't want, which is in this case, like swimming away and then jackpotted. And so a jackpot is just what it sounds like. It's basically a magnitude reward where we would give a giant handful, or like I said, their favorite toy or um, something like that to let them know that they did, that they did an excellent job in doing that behavior. And it basically is like, you know, just like when you're gambling, you know, you don't usually win, but when you get that jackpot, that's what keeps you um, engaged and keeps you gambling basically. Yeah. So, so yeah, that's kind of uh, just a few of the, of the really sort of jargony terms that we use in the day to day. Yeah. Thank you for sharing that. And I want to make sure that, that people know if they want to see some of the content that you have out there on various formats, where can they find you? And also, I want to say thank you so much for being on Women with Cool Jobs. Yeah, well, thank you so much for having me. Yeah, I'm like, I'm basically everywhere. So um, on YouTube, um, I'm uh, K-Passionate. So the story behind that is just my my initials are KP. And in this industry, you often are just... Uh, are just sort of initials. Sometimes we sign our records with just our initials. And so, so K passionate on YouTube, um, same on Twitch. If you want to catch my live streams or some of those charity events, TikTok and Instagram is basically the same. There's a K underscore passionate on TikTok, and then it's, um, K P dot on the, on Instagram. But yeah, I mean, uh, a quick, quick search for anything and everything otters and you'll probably find me. Yeah. <laughs> And they are, yeah, man, you have some cute videos yes. and, um, and I think like, I, I really appreciate you being here, sharing what you're doing, not only in your official job as, as a marine biologist and, and educator, but also the work that you're doing as a creator, but using that for like such a neat cause to educate, to help raise money and, and just sort of conserve these, these beautiful species and their habitats and, um, help them out. So yeah, well, so one, one, one area I'm not on is podcast. So thank you for giving me uh, that platform. It was an honor. <laughs> Great talking to you. You too. Hey everybody. Thank you so much for listening to women with cool jobs. I'll be releasing a new episode every two weeks. So make sure you hit that subscribe button. And if you loved the show, please give me a five-star rating. Also, it would mean so much if you shared this episode with someone you think who would love it or would find it inspirational. And lastly, do you have ideas for future shows or do you know any rock star women with cool jobs? I would love to hear from you. You can email me at julie at womenwithcooljobs.com or you can find me on Instagram at Women Cool Jobs. Again, that's Women Cool Jobs. Thank you so much for listening and have an incredible day. Silly. Like they just seem like 
fun, silly behaviors. Well, that's the purpose. Um, cause you know, like we talked about having fun is important and we can't, it can't all be blood draws and eye drops because that's just not fun. Right. But yes, we, uh, definitely some of the more important behaviors are just stepping on a scale, just walking up and standing still on a scale. So we can make sure, you know, that their weight is looking good. A lot of them have seasonal weight fluctuations and it's, um, you know, a good idea to make sure that those are happening when we think that they should happen. There's, I mean, there's even just like basic dental care. So like opening their mouth, some animals are trained to, um, we do tooth brushings. Um, like which animals I'm curious. Um, yeah, I mean, right now, um, we have a, a beluga whale who, um, is getting up in age. And so we brush her teeth once a day. Yeah. <laughs> and, uh, <laughs> Um, and so, yeah. And then, you know, even like the walruses with their big tusks, there was a lot involved with them allowing us to, to do different things with their tusks to make sure that those stay nice and healthy. We would, we, we had them trained to allow us to put a cap on the end of it, um, which just helps to protect it from getting damaged, like putting a cap on your tooth and, uh, and all of these types of things that are just even basic body exams, just let me check you over make sure you don't have any cuts or scrapes or anything I need to worry about. And even those basic things are, you know, really important. I know like we didn't do this at my facility, but we do a lot of collaboration with um, some other facilities. And one facility with sea otters even trained their otter. Um, she had, she got diagnosed with asthma and they trained her to use an inhaler. <laughs> oh my gosh. So That's she'll amazing. just, um, you can look it up. I think it's at the Seattle aquarium, but she'll just sit there with her little mask on and take those deep breaths and, oh um, and uh, yeah, so like all of that stuff, like there's just, there's just nothing that's not possible, you know, with animals. And like you said too, like moving them to different areas, training them to go through gates, to to walk through different areas so that we can dive and clean their habitats. Like all of these behaviors are, are trained from scratch and, and yeah, not, not at all possible without the animal's help. <laughs> yeah. And how do like you as a trainer learn about training? I mean, like, do you have other trainers who you're watching and then you're picking this up or you just sometimes also try random things to see what works. I mean, like, what, yeah. what is that like? <laughs> yeah, it's, we definitely have like, there's kind of like a standard of like course called the ABCs of animal training that most marine mammal trainers will have gone through at some point in their lives. And it's a course designed by another facility. I, I don't even remember. It's been a long time since I've looked at that book, but I still have it. But most of it is just through doing. And you'll usually start out like little baby trainers. We start out working with another more senior trainer who, you know, usually will basically allow you to train a behavior just with like feedback coming in. And you start with something small, like just like rolling over or something like pretty easy. And, uh, and yeah, it's just, it's literally just learning as you go. And, um, it's a really, it's a really interesting skill to learn because while there are definitely like standards for here's positive reinforcement and here's those types of things. There's nothing that can prepare you for like actually doing this, this type of stuff. Um, and each animal is completely different. So um, they all have different personalities. So you can't, the way you would train one animal to do something, you might have to do something completely different with another animal to train that exact same behavior, just because just like humans, their brains work a little bit differently. They have different personalities and, you know, some of them have different, different learning needs. I mean, it's, it's really the same. Um, so it's, it, it's a field where you 
um, should never consider yourself done learning. There is always something new to learn. There is never just one right way to do something. And it's, yeah, it's a very, very flexible field full of a lot of gray areas, which I really like. I know some people like it a little bit more black and white, but yeah, it's, it's interesting. It's hard to like, now that my brain has, has learned training, I, I can't unlearn it, but it's definitely something that, that takes years to sort of really get the hang of. Yeah. Well, I can imagine. And I mean, like I've taught adults and so I, you know, but like at least adults speak my language yeah, you know? yeah. um, <laughs> and we have like things like pictures we can show when we don't speak the same language, you know, or hand yeah. gestures. And so it's just so fascinating to me, like the idea of teaching, um, animals, but not only the same type of animals, different types of animals. And then if they each have their own individual personalities, right. And learning styles. Yeah. It's a little bit mind blowing to think about like (laughs) what that would look like as a trainer that I had never considered. And so I'm curious, like if, if you have, you know, the work now with belugas, which you said is like near and dear to your heart, what is that involved? Like, how would you go about training a beluga. And I'm, I am imagining if I'm picturing the correct beluga that they're quite large yes, um, and, uh, not something where you can like sort of take it yeah. and like help it swim on its own. So like, what does that process look like? Can you sort of walk us through, like, like, what are the steps that you do as a trainer to, you know, whether to do that research experiment or if there's some other example that you want to give us? Yeah. It's yeah, it's very different than with your dog at home when you want him to sit and just push his butt down. Right. Um, but that's not that's not the way that that we train. So basically, each animal is sort of trained out the gate to um, do something called targeting. And this is a really important behavior, and it basically involves trying to think if I have like a good example, but it's it's essentially just a pole with a usually uh, I don't know that the color is important, but usually there's like a, a red um, sort of like buoy on the end of it. And that the what it is doesn't really matter, but the animals are trained to touch um, different parts of their body to the end of this pole. So it's sort of a point of reference for the animal. And so then if you're training something, just using an example that we can like clearly visualize, like a like a high jump, like just coming out of the water straight up and down and coming back in the water tail first. Basically, that all starts with this target training. And so you uh, introduce the the hand signal for the behavior usually is what we use because the animals, you know, another thing that you don't really think about probably that much is that belugas can't really hear our voices. They probably can hear that something is happening, but it's just not very clear to them. So using verbal cues like you might with your dog is not as useful. So usually you give them that hand signal and then you hold this target pole up. They come up, touch it with their nose and you let them know that they did a good job with, with the whistle. So we blow the whistle that tells them that they did it and they can come back and they can get their reward. And that reward can look like food. Food is a great motivator. It's a great motivator for me too. Um, (laughs) But it can be a lot of other things. Belugas really like tongue rubs. Um, Some of them really like body rubs. Some of them have favorite toys that they like to play with. And so just depending on the animal and what they, what they really enjoy, that positive reinforcement can look a lot of different ways. Uh, And then you basically slowly um, what we call like fade out that target pole where you're not using that target pole anymore. And before you know it, the animal knows that 
on this hand signal. I'm going to go out to the middle. I'm going to come up and down. I don't need any help. I don't need any um, any target pull to show me the way. And then the behavior is basically done at that point. But that's the like sort of the just the the real quick and dirty how to train how to train your beluga whale. Um, <laughs> if by, I ever have Kristen. one, yeah. yeah. <laughs> but yeah, it becomes much more complicated when you're talking about you know a variety of different behaviors and and, and things that we that we can um, train them to do. But yeah, that's the just the the down and dirty. That's amazing. Are there like what are the fun? I guess like the fun or silly things that are that are things you've done either with whales or other animals that you've trained? Yeah. I mean, with the, the beluga is a fun one is always, and of course, you know, because we talked about, I'm always into like interacting with the public. Um, a lot of them, we would train them for behaviors that would, they can spit water, which is pretty unique for their species. They uh, use that as a feeding technique. And most whales and dolphins don't have the ability to spit a projected thing of water, but we would train them to do that into crowds of people causing chaos, um, but, <laughs> but, but making memories. So those are always super fun. And then okay. the, the animals also learn that, that, that type of reaction that they get that screaming, laughing, they like that. And so they would, they would do it to people outside of, uh, like, you know, just on their own, they, oh, they learn to do that, or they would do it to, we had some whales who would do it to the seagulls. Um, who would spit at the seagulls and sort of chase them around and spit at them. And so those types of behaviors, those like play behaviors are always super fun. The otters, I always really loved. And one thing that's very popular on my social media is anything that involves sea otters banging on things. Um, So if you don't know, um, sea otters are known for using a rock to sort of crack into shells. They eat a lot of um, shellfish and marine invertebrates. And so they will um, take that rock and basically bang it into clams. And we didn't want them to do that uh, because, you know, as we discussed, they're already very destructive, Um, but we could train them to, um, some of them would like tap on the, tap on the doors or, uh, and it looks like knocking or, or clap. They would clap too. And it makes cute little, little pity patty um, sounds. (laughs) And so those behaviors would always like, people would just, oh, you know, and they, and then they want to know why are they doing that? And then you can lead that into, well, if you want to learn something, you know, and, and make it an educational thing. So, yeah, I mean, there's just, there's so many fun and interesting things about these animals and they're, they're so unique and people just, they don't know that. Yeah, it is interesting. You know, like I, we've had a membership, we don't have one now, but there's a, an aquarium here. And like, I always loved going, but it's like, you get to read the signs a lot of the time, but we don't have as much of the interaction with the people who work with them day in and day out. And so it's just like, I think your ability to use social media to share some of the actual stories from your experience is so unique. And also I think clearly like people want more of that because we, you know, it's like you, you want to hear about the sort of the individualities and the unique features of each animal that we don't always know to even ask about. And so I think that's so cool. And I appreciate you sharing 
the examples just of some of the things that you train the whale and the otters to do. Cause I think it's interesting to either hear the backstory or that they can do these things in the first place. And um, just, yeah, even using like spitting at seagulls is like clearly, you know, the personality of that particular whale. Um, Just just like thinking about that, that that would be something really fun. So that's, that's really interesting. Yeah. And And I think, I think getting people to, like you said, like to understand that, like, we see these animals as like a a number on a paper. And I think most people love sea otters. They think that they're cute, but when you start to understand that they all have personalities um, and that they're, you know, like, like otters are people too, you know, but like, um, (laughs) but basically understanding like that, that there's an individual there. And I think that that, that builds the connection. Yeah, definitely. And I think even hearing sort of the, the educational aspects of behind, like, okay, well, why do they like to bang on things? Or, and I know you shared also like some really cute videos with ice. So if anyone, mm-hmm. ice cubes and yeah. So yeah. if anyone's interested, we'll share your information at the end so people can go yeah. check that out. But it's, it's just very fascinating to kind of get to know the animals a little bit better. And then I think also from that larger standpoint of like just being sort of good global citizens for ourselves and for the animals. So I I really appreciate that. And I, I want to ask you, you know, if people are listening to this and women or girls are like, this sounds amazing. I would <laughs> love to do something like this. How can they start to look at getting in this field? Is it something where you definitely need a degree or are there other, other ways in And, you know, what does that look like if you have suggestions? I would definitely recommend a degree. I don't want to say that it is 100% necessary if if for whatever reason uh, you are unable to do that. It does not mean that this is absolutely unattainable. It just means that you're going to have a little bit of a harder time. Most places require a a university degree, a four-year bachelor's degree uh, in some sort of science-related program. Um, I, if you are able to go get that degree, um, I actually recommend a psychology degree. Really? (laughs) Um, Yeah. I mean, all of these principles that we're talking about, operant conditioning, um, positive reinforcement, these are all like human psychology, like theories and, and, um, and strategies. And, uh, and that's something that translates. You can train humans and the same way that you can train, you know, you can train your spouse in the same way that you can do. <laughs> I would maybe not train them to like spit at your guests or anything, yes, but, like, right, yeah. <laughs> um, but it is possible. So yeah, I mean, that's not the route, but I went, I went like with a zoology degree, which is also fine, but I feel like psychology sort of better sets you up with some of these theories and some of these techniques that we use. And then, like I said, internships. Um, Unfortunately, that is a big, um, unpaid internships are a big part of of the industry. And I say that's unfortunate because I actually think that it really limits the amount of people that that can get into the industry. It makes it extremely competitive. But um, I was fortunate enough to have the ability to do that. And uh, most people do more than one even (laughs) because they really want you to have some of that experience. And um, I recommend as well, like just volunteering at different while you're going to university or even in high school, those types of things. I um, like I said, I volunteered at uh, Raptor Rehabilitation, whatever you've got like near you, even if it's just like the Humane Society, you know, cleaning out kennels like this. This really does count as as experience and um, also cleaning out cleaning up after animals helps you to get an idea that 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 is going to like like 
hoop isn't going away. Like we, we have to do that. And <laughs> like, in uh, no matter where you're at in the field. And then the other thing that is so hard is being willing to move. Like I said, I, you know, I went to Colorado state university. I was born in Colorado. I moved to Vancouver, British Columbia, um, <laughs> for a job and I've lived all over and now I'm on the East coast and it really opens up avenues for you when you don't limit yourself by what's in your immediate area. So, yeah. And you know, if it's something that you really want, like you'll, you'll get it. Like persistence um, is key. And I think when you're doing those internships, I always recommend being yourself and letting your personality shine through because you want to be, you want to be uh, the intern that they remember that they want to hire afterwards. Yeah. Great advice. And are there like organizations or professional associations that you'd recommend for kind of either looking about maybe opportunities within the field or just kind of finding maybe professionals in the person's area like that, that you're part of or know about? Yeah. I mean, as far as like, you know, you can find internships and and job opportunities. I I find them a lot on uh, aza.org, which is the Association of Zoos and Aquariums. And they have a job listing and it is constantly updated. There are just thousands of jobs posted on that all the time. Uh, I also belong to the um, International Marine Animal Trainers Association, which is IMATA which they do, I think, actually, I think if you're going to university, your membership is free or at least very, very cheap. They also have job postings there and they have a lot of resources. They have libraries of of information available. Um, And then, you know, I recommend social media for for some other things, like for talking to people. There's a lot of Facebook groups of uh, marine mammal trainers, Facebook groups. And there's a lot of people in there who are able to help out if for people who are uh, trying to trying to get into the field or trying to pass a swim test or just looking for advice or um, anything like that, or sometimes even like looking for, you know, they'll be like, I got this such and such internship here. Is anyone in the area that has a room for rent Um, or something like that? So a lot of great information on the internet. (laughs) Yeah. Okay. Well, thank you. Those are some great resources. And I have to ask, you know, before we wrap up, because I'm curious and and we didn't get to it yet, but I feel like, you know, specific to what you do, like you are in and near water all Mm -hmm. the time. So I'm curious because Mm -hmm. you started out thinking you were going to do land animals, probably large cats, and you ended up you know, doing marine, marine mammals. So I'm curious, like, what is that like? And, you know, what do people need to think about if they're considering this, you know, particular area working with animals? Yeah. I mean, so like, even just like being around the water, like being a good swimmer is definitely important. And I was not um, one of those like natural born fish. I had to work really, really hard at that. And I still struggle with it. I am not super comfortable being underwater and unable to breathe is like not my favorite thing. So, so it's something that I am, I am constantly working on and, um, and we do dive to clean the habitats. Usually having a scuba certification is required or being able to get one within, you know, relative soon after being, after being hired. So yeah, the other thing that 
that I don't think people think about when they they come to the aquarium on like beautiful, like sunny days is that we're out there. If it's raining, if it's snowing, it does not matter. So like there have been some, I have had some beautiful days out there and I have been absolutely miserable out there as well. You know, when you're soaking wet and you still have six more hours left in your day, um, it's, it is not a great feeling. It is not a great feeling. So there is, you know, there's, definitely um some some elements that we have to combat and um the water is obviously always very cold <laughs> yeah yeah and i think that's so interesting because it's sort of on top of what you're doing just in the rest of your job it's it's like something that does have that interplay of like that's always there kind of um mm-hmm. either physically or probably in the background very close by yeah Yeah. So thank you for explaining that. And I'm curious, you know, like if you had to pick one thing or two things that was like your absolute favorite part of doing this job, like what would you say those are? I know it might be a hard question to answer. Yeah. So I absolutely love Okay. Two things, two things. I can't, I can't settle on just one. Okay. <laughs> I love um, coming up with new toys and enrichment to give the animals. And you could probably have guessed that if you look at my social media, a lot of it is like just giving treats to animals because uh, just watching them play and enjoy something is really, really fun. We, you know, we're often, we're out there working with the animals in a very controlled setting. It's a, you know, a controlled, what we call a session when we're out there with the animals. So sometimes it's fun to just go out of session and I made this new toy or we just bought this giant new beluga toy for you guys. Like, and, and watching them um, enjoy those types of things or, or watching the otters get, you know, as much ice as you can possibly fit in their, in their area and watching their little minds be blown as they are running around and eating all the ice is just, that's always uh, super fun. And the other thing that I really love that pertains directly to training is um, we call it like the light bulb moment. So there's always this moment when you're struggling, the animal's struggling. You're like, we're all working together to try to get the animal to understand what you're, what you're looking for and what you need. And then there's always that moment where you can just see, you can just sort of see the light turn on, like literally in their eyes and, and they go and they do it for the first time and they, they've figured it out um, and, and you're celebrating there together. And oftentimes like it involves a literal happy dance, you know, we'll be jumping up and down and screaming for them and getting excited for them. Um, and they're like, yes, I did it. And, and yeah, that, that moment is always so much fun to experience that with the animal. So. That's awesome. It's so cool that you describe that because I would have never known that animals can have that moment. Yeah. Um, it's really, really amazing. And it's so, I mean, it's really interesting too, that you talk about having like a psych degree and being a trainer, because I would have never put those things together. <laughs> yeah. um, but like listening to you say that, having taught myself, having taught adults, it's really interesting because it's like, as people, we have that. So that's so cool that like, you can witness an animal, you know, that you're working with, like that you both can have this moment together, like that shared experience and like clearly get so excited. 
yeah. over they, it. So yeah, they get so excited too, that then usually what happens is, you know, if you've got a big behavior like that, then that's like the only behavior they'll do for like the next week. It's just like, no, we remember how excited we were. And they, and they'll just like, we're now we're all we're doing is this. And you have to be like, okay, okay, okay. We, we can do other <laughs> things too. We rein it in a little bit, rein it in, but that's um, awesome. Oh, yeah. I love it. Well, thank you so much for sharing that with us. What a great, like, I don't know. It just sounds so great. And who, who doesn't want more toys, right? Like creating toys just sounds like so much fun. It is (laughs) very cool. So as we wrap up, I want to ask you my favorite question and I ask it to every guest. So it's this to end the conversation. Will you share a sentence that uses verbiage or jargon from your field? Then please translate it. So it's understandable to us. Sure. So you might say something like so-and-so animal was refusing staying at station uh, when I was holding them in the backup area. So I gave them a DRI and then jackpotted. (laughs) That's just like to use a few um, jargony terms. And basically what this would mean was the animal is um, not wanting to stay in a particular area, kind of like you mentioned for if we need to clean a different area. And we would give them uh, one of the techniques that you can do um, is you can give them a DRI. So basically, if the animal is is choosing to leave you, um, you can put them in some sort of behavior that directly reinforces an incompatible behavior. So essentially, um, that's what DRI stands for. So essentially, if they are for instance, doing a uh, a layout, like if they're um, laying out and you have the, your hands on their back, um, which is a behavior that they know, well, they can't do that behavior and swim off at the same time. So then you're, um, you know, directly reinforcing an incompatible behavior with the behavior that you don't want, which is in this case, like swimming away and then jackpotted. And so a jackpot is just what it sounds like. It's basically a magnitude reward where we would give a giant handful, or like I said, their favorite toy or um, something like that to let them know that they did, that they did an excellent job in doing that behavior. And it basically is like, you know, just like when you're gambling, you know, you don't usually win, but when you get that jackpot, that's what keeps you um, engaged and keeps you gambling basically. Yeah. So, so yeah, that's kind of uh, just a few of the, of the really sort of jargony terms that we use in the day to day. Yeah. Thank you for sharing that. And I want to make sure that that people know if they want to see some of the content that you have out there and various formats, where can they find you? And also I want to say thank you so much for being on Women with Cool Jobs. Yeah. Well, thank you so much for having me. Yeah. I'm like, I'm basically everywhere. So um, on YouTube, um, I'm uh, K passionate. So the story behind that is just my, my initials are KP and in this industry, you often are just, uh, are just sort of initials. Sometimes we sign our records with just our initials. And so, so K passionate on YouTube, um, same on Twitch. If you want to catch my live streams or some of those charity events, TikTok and Instagram is basically the same. There's a K underscore passionate on TikTok and then it's um, KP dot on the, on Instagram. But yeah, I mean, uh, a quick, quick search for anything and everything otters and you'll probably find me. (laughs) Yeah. And they are, yeah, man, you have some cute videos and, um, and I think like, I, I really appreciate you being here sharing what 
you're doing not only in your official job as as a marine biologist and, and educator, but also the work that you're doing as a creator, but using that for like such a neat cause to educate to help raise money and and just sort of conserve these these beautiful species and their habitats and um, help them out. So yeah, well, so one, one, one area I'm not on is podcast. So thank you for giving me um, that platform. To, <laughs> there you uh, go. To do that too, so. <laughs> it was an honor. <laughs> Great talking to you. You too. Hey, everybody. Thank you so much for listening to Women with Cool Jobs. I'll be releasing a new episode every two weeks. So make sure you hit that subscribe button. And if you loved the show, please give me a five-star rating. Also, it would mean so much if you shared this episode with someone you think who would love it or would find it inspirational. And lastly, do you have ideas for future shows or do you know any rock star women with cool jobs? I would love to hear from you. You can email me at julie at womenwithcooljobs.com or you can find me on Instagram at Women Cool Jobs. Again, that's Women Cool Jobs. Thank you so much for listening and have an incredible day.